You're listening to the weekly podcast of Cayo, the youth ministry of the Father's House in Owensboro, Kentucky. Cayo is a healthy home for teens who are loved like family as sons and daughters that embrace their kingdom identity and purpose to change the world. At Cayo, your home. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Suddenly, before I was talking, I got hit with, like, stuffy nose. It just hit me out of nowhere. Father, thank you. Speak to us. Speak through me. Make it plain and understandable for those that hear it, that it applies to their life, and they can run with it. Not run from it. Run with it. To understand it. It applies to their lives. I pray for fertile soil, fertile hearts in this room. That as the, your word is scattered, that it grows. And it gives some a 30-fold return, a 60-fold return, and a 100-fold return. In Jesus' name. Bless tonight. And everybody said? Amen. Well, guys, one thing I can't stand that drives me insane is I hate it when I lose something. When I lose stuff, it drives me up the wall. Uh, it, it's like where I want to destroy my house. I want to destroy everything. I want to hulk rage Whatever is in my path, anybody ever feel that way in the room? Yeah, you just want to destroy, destroy, smash, smash, smash. Now, you may not say it on the outside, but you're certainly, I'm going to be real with you, sometimes I'll use cuss words in my mind. Ooh, Pastor Daryl, I thought you were perfect. No. Now, by the way, if you have a problem with profanity, you got to train yourself to say something else. Pastor Darrell, are you saying it's okay to curse and cuss? No, it's not what I'm saying. But I'm not going to say you're going to go to hell just because you let one drop out of nowhere accidentally. Okay? So, back to the point. You lose something. I hate losing stuff. Right? Uh, you know, even something as simple as my sunglasses. I hate it. If I lose my car keys, if I lose, oh, I'm going to tell you right now. When I lose my AirPods, I'm about to just give up and just drop and fall face first on the floor and just quit. Anybody ever feel that way? Anybody ever lose their AirPods and you use that find my iPhone feature to try to find your AirPods and you go to that corner of wherever it is and it's not there. I get closer to it and closer to it and then it moves over here. Who knows what I'm talking about? Am I the only one that's lost their air? Even in my own house, I go to the corner of the house where it belongs and when I get there... It moves. It's like my AirPods have legs I don't know about, and they're walking across the house. Apple knows something that I don't. My AirPods have legs, and they move. I don't get it. Pastor Gerald, what's this got to do with anything? Sometimes we are looking in the wrong places for the things we want. Sometimes we're looking in the wrong places for things we think we need. And sometimes we're looking in the wrong places to find something, hoping to find something that's really not there. Are you with me? Some of it, last week we talked about Elijah. And I talked about depression. I talked about suicidal thoughts. And I talked about uh, grief and running and, and fear from your enemies. If you missed it, check it out on Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm not trying to say it's like, I'm just saying it's, it's out there for you to go back and listen to. 
prophet. We learned about Elijah the prophet took on 450 prophets of Baal. Now, Baal, uh, come, you ever heard of the word Beelzebub? You ever heard of that? Beelzebub, the Lord of Demons, or the Prince of Demons. That's usually a name used for Satan. But it comes from Baal, Baal or some say Baal. I say Baal. But it comes from Baal, uh, an idol that literally means Lord of Dung or Lord of the Flies. Flies, where are flies? Where do they mate? Where do they give birth to future egg, eggs and future flies? Crap. So when it's written in the Bible, when they talk about Baal, they're not bowing down to Baal. They're not afraid of Baal because they know Baal is full of poop. And when they put his name in the word, when it's written in the word of God, Beelzebub, Baalzebub, Zareel, uh, there's like all these different variations. They're literally saying, we don't bow to this name. We don't honor this name. In fact, we mock this name because it's fake. So a lot of times, you got to be careful that you're serving a master that you're not supposed to. So Elijah, anyway, Elijah took on 450 prophets of Baal. Fire fell from heaven to prove who was the real God, the God of Israel, of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of the Holy Bible, the Christian God, God the Father, or Baal. Okay, Baal did not show up, did not pour fire from heaven. God does, burns up the altar. They kill all the prophets of Baal. The queen Jezebel threatens to kill Elijah. He runs for his life, scared, depressed, defeated. We learned last week that God speaks in the silence and speaks in the quiet. When we think God's not doing anything and not saying anything, that's probably when he's doing something. And we feel the threats and the breaths. When, the, when, the, when that, that hot breath is breathing on you and the pressure's coming from the enemy or pressure's coming from temptation or pressure's coming from people that are against you, it's because they're desperate and they're defeated. Tonight, not only last week, God asked Elijah the question, Where, what are you doing here? Tonight I want to tell you is, where are you looking? Where are you looking? Because just like me looking for my AirPods, in the Bible we have a guy who's looking for something. Here we go. We're going to go to 2 Kings 1. I had to give a little recap just to give you a little backstory, give you a little, feet, little cliff notes, a little quick version. 2 Kings 1 says this. By the way, Queen Jezebel and King Ahab were enemies of Elijah the prophet. Elijah the prophet is the mouthpiece of God. He's the enemy of Ahab and Jezebel, Right? They call him the troublemaker of Israel because he's wanting to make things right and bring honor and restore God back to his rightful place and put Baal where he belongs and idol worship where he belongs and the enemy's devices where they belong. Pastor Darrell, this got real. I know. Stick with me. After King Ahab's death, the land of Moab rebelled against Israel. One day, Israel's new king, Ahaziah, or Ahaziah, I may have pronounced it wrong, Ahaziah, let's say that fell through. Or Ahaziah, I can't even pronounce it. Who? Ahaziah, let's go with that. Who? Nope. Ahaziah, let's go with that. That's it, my bad. I said it wrong. Fell through the lattice work of an upper room at his palace in Samaria and was seriously injured. He fell through lattice work. Anybody fall through lattice work? You know what that is? He fell through a window cover. I don't know if he took a nap, he's leaning against it. I don't know, be careful what you're leaning on. But it says he falls through, and it says he's seriously injured. He sent messengers to the temple of 
Baalzebub, the Lord of the Flies, or I already told you, the God of Ekron, to ask whether he would recover. But the angel of the Lord told Elijah, go and confront the messengers of the king of Samaria. Ask them, is there no God in Israel? Why are you going to Baalzebub, the God of Ekron, to ask whether the king will recover? This is what the Lord says. You will never leave the bed you're lying on. You will surely die. Not the message you want to get from God's prophet. Am I right? It's real. So Elijah went to deliver the message, right? When the messengers returned to the king, the king asks, why have you returned so soon? They replied, a man came up to us, told us to go back to the king and give him this message. This is what the Lord says. Is there no God in Israel? Why are you sending men to Baalzebub, the god of Ekron, to ask whether you will recover? Because you've done this, you will never leave the bed you're lying on, and you will surely die. By the way, isn't it good when messengers actually repeat the message correctly and don't telephone that thing? You ever, like, tell somebody something and it gets to somebody and it's completely different? No question here. It's word for word. The king says, what sort of man was he, he demanded. What did he look like? They said he was a hairy man. Let that be all of our descriptions, guys. Just kidding. It says he was a hairy man, and he wore a leather belt around his waist. And he's like, Elijah from Tishbe, the king exclaimed. By the way, he wasn't necessarily a hairy man, but he wore like hairy. He had a leather strap with camel hair. He wore camel hair for clothing. So he wore a lot of hair on himself. He wasn't necessarily that he was hairy, but he wore a lot of hair on, on his clothing. This dude was wild. He was radical. And there's only one Elijah in the, in the Bible. John the Baptist it comes in the spirit of Elijah later on before Jesus shows up. But he knows that he's Elijah. Why? Because he's the enemy of his parents. See, the deal is uh, Ahazi, uh, Ahaziah was looking in the wrong place. There we go. Ahaziah. Ahaziah is now king. He's wicked. And he's a crybaby. Anybody know any crybabies? Don't point to anybody in the room. Don't, don't sell out your sibling or your best friend. But he was a, a crybaby, right? Remember, Elijah's a prophet trying to make things right, and he constantly thwarted his parents. He knows exactly who he is. In fact, in 1 Kings 21, his parents are so wicked that they, they basically kill a man so they can steal his garden, just so it's closer to where they live. By the way, there are things that are done that you think God doesn't see, and he does. This is not to scare you. I mean, Elijah knew what guys were even doing in their bedroom. We talked about that before a while back, if you guys remember. I'm a big fan of Elijah. But I got to admit, he's, a pretty, he's, he's pretty tough. But the thing is, his dad actually repented once. He actually was sorry and deeply repented one time. And because he did that, God said that the judgment he had for him, he would pass it on to his children. He would pass it on to his sons. Who's his son? Ahaziah. Okay? So, so Ahaziah is looking in the wrong place. He's going to die. He falls through a stinking window, and he's going to die. He's so injured that he gets sick, and he's going to die. We have people that are sick tonight and cannot be here and I pray for healing for them in the name and the authority of Jesus, that whatever's ailing them, they're healed in Jesus' name. That's gruesome and yet gracious at the same time. Are you looking to everyone else but God? This is the real question for you. In your times of need, what is helping you get through? What is helping you cope? What are you relying on to cope and get through the day? 
See, a lot of times, like Ahaziah, we're looking in the wrong places and the wrong things to help us cope and to get us through. God doesn't want us to worship idols. Pastor Daryl, what's wrong with worshiping something that makes me feel better or makes me feel good? Because you're relying on it. It is your God. Once again, you can't serve two masters. If you're addicted to pornography in the room and you need that to get through, if you need drugs to get through, if you need to gossip and tear somebody down to just make yourself feel better, you have an idol. And this is something that you need to check. Pastor Darrell, this is real serious. I know. I've had people tell me over the years, Pastor Darrell, I don't want to go back to youth because it's too convicting. I'm telling you, I'm giving, the Lord loves you, and this is, he's always offering you a better way. He's never coming to hit you with a hammer. He's never coming to beat you up. He's saying, yo, there is a better way. Follow me. Let me help you. God's saying, help me help you. Really? Okay. Here's what the Bible says in 2 Peter 1.3. What's the solution, Pastor Gerald? Here's what the solution is to what you need. Here we go. It says everything we could ever need for life and godliness has already been deposited in us by God's divine power. For all this was lavished upon us through the rich experience of knowing him who has called us by name and invited us to come to him through a glorious manifestation of his goodness. Some real beautiful wording. In a nutshell, everything we need for life and godliness, to live a godly life, to live a righteous life, to live a pure life, to live a life that we have peace of mind, live a life where we're not always looking over our shoulder wondering when somebody's going to find out something, God's already given it to us through Jesus. He's already given it to us. Everything we need to live a pure life, to live a righteous life, to live a good life, to live a peaceful life even an adventurous life, with no strings attached, no worry, no anxiety, no stress, God's already given it to us through Jesus Christ. Everything you have need of, he's already given it to you. It says he deposited it. I don't know about you, but when I deposit money in the bank, I can spend it. Yo, I take cash tonight. If you, I'm, I'm going to start my own Kickstarter if that's what it takes. I'm just kidding. But the point is, God's already deposited it in you. He's already given it to you. It's already in your bank. You just, a lot of you just don't know it yet. He's ready for you to spend it. He's ready for you to use it if you will trust him. Stop looking in all the wrong places. How many times have I talked to young people, and they're always wanting to talk about the problem than to actually solve the problem? He's given the solution. Through Jesus, I give you everything you need. You don't have to, you don't have to live every day trying to get through smoking weed or having to vape. Pastor what's wrong with vaping? There's not enough history or data to show you what it's doing to your body, but there is enough that it's doing damage. Pastor Darrell, what about fat people? They eat a lot of terrible food. You're right, they do. But don't be so worried about them that you're justifying what you're doing. See, a lot of people like to be self-righteous. Well, man, they're doing drugs, and they're doing this, and they're doing that. I'm over here doing nothing. I'm trying to just do all the right stuff. And you yourself, be careful that you're not self-righteous thinking you're better than somebody else. Well, I'm not struggling with that. I'm doing just fine. Be careful. It could be you one day. Pastor Darrell, what are you getting at? Why do we have to look everywhere else? Why do we always have to look in the wrong places? I always, I've told you guys for years, why do you always go to your friends 
hoping they have the answer when they're just as clueless as you are. Not everybody, but no offense. When I was your age and I went to my best friends, they were in no, they were in no better shape than I was on knowing what to do at all. Why do we always look in the wrong place? It's because we think we know better. We're really prideful. We think we know better. We just want to kind of get, if I can just go around it, I don't want to tell my parents because I'm going to get in trouble. I don't want to tell my youth pastor or I don't want to tell my squad leader because I don't want them to look at me differently. We're not going to look at you differently. Bro, we've been, we've walked your walk. Some of us rougher than others. And I just pray for a generation that doesn't have to be broken just so God can heal them. Could it be that God heals them right where you are, but you don't have to be corrupted? You don't have to be perverted by the world? You don't have to be hurt by the world. So just so God can fix you. The good news is God loves you, and he's, he's come to restore us from brokenness. He's come to take us when we lower ourselves and humble ourselves. He wants to heal our hearts. He wants to come. Trisha was talking about family life tonight. So many people have broken families or broken history or broken events, things that have hurt them, and God wants to come heal them. God is telling you to look at him today because he has everything you need. Everything. See, not only was uh, Ahaziah looking in the wrong place, but he was looking for comfort, not healing. He just wanted to know if he would recover, not actually be healed. How many of you guys have never actually wanted an answer to a question? You just want somebody to listen to you. I just want you to listen. By the way, that's a very good thing to want somebody to listen, by the way. But sometimes we want some people to listen so much that we're not willing to change to do anything about fixing it. We just want to keep complaining about it. We just want somebody to feel how we feel. But eventually, you're going to have to come to a place that you're going to have to do something about it. You can't cope with it anymore. I talk to people every week, man. And they use drugs, they use alcohol, they use all forms of methods. I'm not just picking on those. But they use everything to cope from pain from the past. And they are at a place anywhere from 20 to almost 70. And some are in their 60s just now to a place saying, I've got to do something different. I wish I had listened back then. But they just wanted to talk about it. They just wanted to complain about it, and they just wanted to ignore all the red flags and ignore all the warnings. Can I tell you, if you come in here at any time, and our leaders, squad leaders are talking to you, if our member of our Kayo ministry team, or even myself, my wife Trisha, or myself, if you ever feel like a tug on your heart that something's got to change, God is saying, this is a red flag, and let's help you get there. Stop trying to cover it up and throw it under the rug. It's getting nowhere. Am I making sense? There comes a point you can't talk about it anymore. you got to do something. But uh, Ahaziah was too prideful and too arrogant to ask God for healing or help because he was unteachable and he was really wicked to the core, just like his parents. He was evil. He was very evil. Sometimes we just want instant comfort. Will you go to God and ask him what he thinks about your situation? Let me encourage you tonight. I don't know where you are with God. I don't know where you are with the Son of God, Jesus Christ. But I want to encourage you. Will you go to him and ask him what he thinks? 
Will you tell him how, won't you tell God how you feel? And then listen and see what he says. Read his word. And then listen and see what he says. Do you really want me to do drugs every day just to cope and get through? God, is that really what you want? God, do you want me? What do you want me to do with my set of friends? What do you want me to do with them? I got, man, some of these people need to save the drama for their mama. It's time to move on, but I'm telling you, what do you want me to do in this situation? God, should I date this person or should I just break up with this person? By the way, if you're thinking about breaking up or you're kind of agitated, it's only going to get worse. More on that in the pursuit. But it's, sometimes it's time to break up and we just want to drag it out because we don't want to be the bad guy. Just break up and call it the end. Move on. God, what do I do with my life? What have you created me for? Where can I learn more about you and who can I trust? Are you willing? Are you willing to sacrifice comfort? Are you willing to sacrifice coping for change? Here's the kicker, Pastor Gerald. What I do is not a big deal. It's not that big of a deal. My sin or this thing I'm doing that helps me, it's not a big deal. Okay, it's not a big deal. If it's not a big deal, why don't you kill it? Why don't you stop it? Why don't you sacrifice it? And why don't you bury it? If it's not that big of a deal, if you think you got control, I got control over it, I'm good. No, 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 you are you have deceived. If it's not that big of a deal, how about you just kill it, bury it, sacrifice it, and give it to God? If it's not that big of a deal, if it's not that important, let it go. Say goodbye. Whatever that is, bye Felicia to it, whatever you got to do. Remember, you cannot serve two masters. You can only serve one. If God the Father is not the leader and the master of your life, then something else is. You are serving another God. Don't be like Ahaziah. Call on God the Father today. The story continues. Let's keep going. I'm going to try to wrap this up. It says, then the king sends an army captain with 50 soldiers to arrest him. They found Elijah sitting on top of a hill. The captain said to him, man of God, the king has commanded you to come down with us. Elijah replied to the captain, if I am a man of God, let fire come down from heaven and destroy you and your 50 men. Then fire fell from heaven and killed them all. I have read the story of Elijah many times, and this is a story I did not come across until this last week or two weeks, actually two weeks ago. Then the king sends another 50, and they say the same thing. What happens? He says, if I'm a man of God, may fire from heaven fall down on you and kill you all. Because they're coming to kill him. They're coming to take him to the king, and they're going to kill him. How do you many of you guys know if somebody's coming to kill you, you don't go meet with them? A buddy of mine named Cam, years ago, he used to deal drugs. He wanted out of the game. He said, I'm out. He says, God, you're going to have to get me out. He started as a user, then he became a dealer. Sometimes that's how it happens. And then he gets talked into one more run. What happens that night? He gets arrested. And he goes to jail. He, asked, he said, God, get me out. Be careful what you pray for. By the way, Cam gave his life to Jesus, and he's been serving Jesus ever since. He's a big guy. 
and he likes knives. Long story. But the thing is, if somebody's coming to kill you, you don't go and hang out with them. If somebody's got something to offer and it's going to hurt you, you don't hang out with it. Here we go. So, Pastor Joe, what's this got to do with me? Eventually, they send a third captain, and that captain says something different. It says, this time he fell to his knees, and he said, spare my life and the lives of my 50 servants. I saw how the fire from heaven came down and destroyed the first two groups. Spare my life. The angel of the Lord talks to Elijah, says, go down with him and don't be afraid of him. Elijah got up and went with him to the king, and Elijah said to the king, this is what the Lord says. Do you know what he said? The exact same thing. He goes, you're going to some idol, a false god, really, that's already been defeated, and you're going to them for answers? Ten years ago, the fire fell from heaven, and all of the people said, the Lord, he is God, and the Lord, he is God. But ten years later, they forgot. You can forget the goodness of God if you're not careful. It says, therefore, because you've done this, you'll never leave the bed. You're going to lie on. You will surely die. Verse 17 says he died just as the Lord promised. Why did he die? Why did he have to die? It's because like his parents, he never learned and he resisted God and he continued to look to the wrong things in the wrong places because he would refuse to submit to God. He'd rather, he would have rather had killed the man of God than to ask for healing. How many of you guys every week spit in the face of Jesus? He's offering you what you need in life and godliness. He's loving. He wants to love. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He died for you. He's more real than the science books you're reading in high school and middle school. Most of the things we consider facts don't have enough evidence that Jesus does that he actually existed. Jesus has more. And yet, here's the deal. He would have rather silenced the voice of God. He would rather silence the messenger of God than be healed. You know why? Here's why. Here's the real deal, and I want you to sit up straight on this one as I come to a close. This is the most important part. Proverbs 16 says there are six things that God can, that absolutely, God hates these things. Pastor Gerald, God loves. Yes, he does. He loves each and every one of us. But there's six things that he hates, and there's a seventh thing that he considers to be an abomination. And by the way, an abomination is an idol, something that disgusts God. These things are enemies of God. Number one, putting others down while considering yourself superior. If you're in the room today, and you're Miss Bougie or Mr. Whatever, maybe Mr. Bougie, I don't know. But the thing is, if you think, if you have to put other people down while considering yourself top-notch, superior, top-dog, elite class, God, God hates that. What else does he hate? People that spread lies and rumors. I hate it when people lie about people. That's one of the biggest pet peeves. You're going to talk trash about somebody? You're going to lie about them? You're going to spread rumors about them? You got no guts. Number three, spilling the blood of the innocent. Murdering people, abortion, spilling the blood of innocent people. He hates it. Pastor Joe, you going to get on that abortion talk? Not today. Number four, plotting evil in your heart toward another. Wicked schemes. You ever plan something to deliberately hurt somebody? 
I don't care if it's on the football field or in the classroom or in the neighborhood or even in this room. God doesn't like it. To plot evil, to literally premeditate and do harm to somebody else is wrong. To literally lie about somebody just so you can come out ahead is wrong. Number five, it says feet eager to run to do evil. Uh, one translation says gloating over doing what's plainly wrong. How many of you guys love to run to trouble and that which is, gets you in trouble? You're not going to raise your hands on that because it's incriminating. But some people love to run to trouble and love to run to things that are bad because they're attracted to things that are bad because there's a certain thrill to doing things bad. But you'll never know the cost until it's too late. Number six, spouting lies in false testimony. This means you're lying about somebody even in a court of law. You're lying about somebody that they get in trouble with the law. Now, that's real. It's one thing to talk trash in DMs and on social or whatever it may be, but then you've got to get the law involved. You've got to get the government involved. You've got to get somebody's boss involved. Whatever it is, suddenly it's real. Then lastly, now this is the one that you should pay attention to, young people. Stirring up strife between friends. These are entirely despicable to God. This is an invitation. I spent the last three months. I spent the last three months giving you a faith foundation. There's even more to come. There comes a time where you got to stop looking everywhere else and stop looking to the wrong people and looking to the wrong places and start looking in the right place. God wants you to look to him. He, the Bible says, he is where your help comes from. The Bible says that if we would fix our eyes, our thoughts, our mind on God, it says he'll give us perfect, complete peace in our heart. If we would just fix our eyes, fix our thoughts, just think about God and begin to look to him. It says in Isaiah 26.3 that he gives perfect, complete peace. The kind of peace that weed's not going to give you. The kind of peace that porn's not going to give you. The kind of peace that your cell phone, because you got to have it so bad, is going to give you. I'm telling you. Pastor Darrell, are you picking on all this stuff? No. I'm trying to tell you. As an, as an ambassador of Jesus Christ tonight, there is a better way. His name is Jesus, and he wants to help you. I want you to bow your heads. Do you do some of these, these seven things? Are you like Ahaziah? Are you looking in the wrong places? Are you refusing to humble yourself? Are you looking to everyone and everything else instead of going to the one who has the solution because he's already given it to you? You just have to accept it. Some of you guys serve some of these idols and these masters and these things out of selfish gain. You're afraid you're going to get caught. You're afraid you're going to get trouble. You'll do anything it takes to bury somebody else as long as it saves you. It's an abomination to God. Many, many of us refuse to humble ourselves, lower our pride, surrender our anger, and hurt to God. Why? Is it because you're afraid you're going to be disappointed? 
Are you afraid you won't know what to do because your anger has led your life up until this point? There was a time in my life in high school I was so angry, so hurt, really. I was so hurt that I was so angry. I wanted to, I was, it was almost like if somebody started a fight with me, I was just, there was a part of me that was just begging for it. Let me just unleash all this pain. Are you afraid you're not going to know what to do if you let it go? All this pain you've carried, some of you guys, your pain is your friend, and it's that safe place you go to. Depression is a safe place for some of you. God's saying it's time to come out of that place. Last week, the Lord told me, the Lord impressed upon me as we were leaving that some people have scars from self-harm, and I believe that God is healing your scars. If you're in this room tonight, I, I, I pray that God is healing scars if that's you. The Lord told it to me a week ago. He can still do it today. And you say, Pastor Darrell, I've looked at him. We'll just begin to go to God and say, Lord, I thank you for healing my scars. Because God doesn't want you to walk in shame with those scars. Are these friends really that good for you? Letting go of that addiction or that thing you dabble in that you're convinced is not a big deal. Can you trust it with God? Can you sacrifice it? Can you kill it? Jesus calls you friend today, and he gave his life for you. If he wants to set you free, he's got a better way for you. Don't put your faith in the wrong place when God's already given you everything you need. Stop looking in the wrong place and look to the right place, and it's him. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Continue. I want you to listen. We're still going to go to squads. I'm not even worried about time right now. If you're in the room right now, And I'm talking to you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, nobody looking around, especially the back rows. I'm not looking to make this long. If that's you, if this speaks to you, I want you to lift up your hand right now. No music. One, two, three. Anybody else? just wants to set you free. Four. Summer, I think the Lord is really doing something in you. Five. Summer, I think the Lord's really doing something in you. I'll talk to you afterward. I don't need to do it in the mic. Six. I'm going to ask you to ask Nathan. Noah, Caitlin. I want my men right here. Paris, be on standby. I want everybody to stand up. Pastor Gerald, thank you for letting me stretch. You're welcome. Close your eyes, bow your heads. your hand or if you didn't we're going to give you the opportunity to come up and let these leaders I'm available even Trisha Trisha doesn't even have to play we just want to pray for you nobody's here to shame you nobody's here to guilt you but we want to pray with you Jesus Christ died on the cross and rose from the dead that if you place your faith in him and trust him with your life 
with your eternity and you believe that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved and God wants to make you whole on the inside. And he wants to walk with you every day. Not only will you have a home in heaven when you die, sure, but he doesn't want you to walk this thing alone because the Bible says he never forsakes us and leaves us as orphans. He loves you and he died for you so that you could be set free tonight.